Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. can press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. And who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, sir. and pay attention, Boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. As you see, we have special guests lined up for you. So welcome to Dr. Bill's Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. But both of these guys are out on assignment. So we have none other than Tali Carr coming in. And we'll have Mo Carter joining us shortly. So I got two of the professionals in the business that are chiming in and giving me some love today. So welcome to episode 162 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports for institutions large and small. From NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights information on HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletics aesthetics. You know, I have to say it and I love to say it to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. Yes, that's a lot, but we do it all. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We are home studios and sending a signal live from KCH 1230 AM studio with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. With that said, let me officially welcome Tyler Carr back to the show. How you doing, Tyler? You on mute. What what did what did Charles Bishop do to my Zoom, man? Charles has been over here taking over remote control of my Zoom. Uh, doctor, what's <laughs> up, man? I, I just want everyone to know that whenever I address you, even in private, you are Dr. Cavill because I always put some respect on your name and title. Man, that's pretty nice. That's pretty nice when you do it like that. So how are you feeling right about now? I mean, you've been putting in a lot of overtime. So get some more. <laughs> Yeah, I know you tease with us. You can say more than that. Uh, you know, the, the last week was uh, it was a range of emotions, man. Uh, I know the last time you and I kind of talked, you know, chatted on the phone, man. I was pretty fired up. And, and Doc, you can you can attest to this to our audience out there that I'm probably one of the most level-headed, cool characters um, that you hang around, man, and, and spend time with. 
but I was pretty fired up about the the coverage and the the misinformation that came out of SWAC Media Day. Uh, we came into the day so excited to finally, you know, have something that looked like normal football on the horizon again, although the SWAC did do a great job uh, kind of balancing things out with the spring football schedule. And for, you know, all the information about, you know, Deion Sanders, Coach Sanders walking out of, storming out, <laughs> becoming the headline of media day, when that did not happen at all. And, you know, we always kind of complain when people in the national media aren't talking about our HBCUs, and then we just celebrate whenever we get a game on and we're just ready to buy all the stock in ESPN. Uh, but for for people on that network and in and, and, and your markets, you know, wherever you are watching this and listening to this, to jump on that and try to leverage the mm. cachet that comes with Deion Sanders' name, uh, but to do it in a negative light where you were misinformed and did not take the effort to inform yourself. If Deion Sanders is important enough for you to talk about, he should also be important enough for you to research and make sure that you have your information right. All of these big shows, uh, whether it be radio or TV, they have researchers, they have bookers, they have the ability to reach out and call someone. It's not hard to find someone that was there. Uh, I mean, Mo Carter was there. Good, good Lord. Everybody knows Mo, right? So call someone and say, man, did this, how did that really go down? You know, you got, you got Schefter. You got woes. You got all these people that can read a general manager's mind. They can tell you about a trade that's going to happen two weeks now before it's even thought of. Uh, these, these networks have no uh, insufficiency when it comes to gathering and find out information. And I just thought that was an injustice uh, for that story to spread like wildfire and just for it to be in, in such clickbait uh, form. And, and this is not me carrying water for Deion Sanders or Jackson State University. If this would have happened to Southern, uh, if this would have happened to Texas Southern, Grambling, Alabama A&M, I would have felt the same way. Uh, if you're going to talk about us, great. We love that. But please get it right. I think that's extremely important. I really appreciate you coming on and opening up with that statement. Um, because I know for me, if it comes from my side, you know, I've, focused on it and tried to really hold my skill working with individuals, to be honest with you, like yourself, you and Mo Carter, they're providing me a lot of information to catch me up on the fast track, not having studied or being in the belly of the beast, for lack of better words, of really having to cut your teeth. You know, you now coming out of that and being an entrepreneur, Mo Carter still in that. And uh, with that, I'm going to give Mo Carter a proper introduction. Welcome to the show. Mo, uh, as a co-host today, I really appreciate you taking the time. How are you doing? Doing well, Dr. Conville. Tyler, it's always good to see you as well. And last week was great to see both of you guys for the first time in person for a, you know, for quite a while. We know why we hadn't seen each other in person, but you know, it was just great to, you know, finally hook up and basically link up and do everything else and also be surrounded by HBCU greatness in the sport of football. So uh, overall, I'm doing well. Actually, I just stepped off the set from doing my uh, 530 sports cast. And, you know, um, 
Yeah, the grind continues to go on. But, but the follow on to what, what Tyler was saying, yeah, last week Swag Media Day was by far one of the best I've been a part of. I think I've covered now either nine or ten Swag Media Day events. And, I mean, as far as a media standpoint, we had almost 200 media members there, which is by far the most I've seen in quite some time. And, yeah, you know, just following off what Tyler said, too, yeah, the whole thing um, as far as how the story was written about Deion Sanders, yeah, I kind of wish somebody else would, uh, you know, at least ask somebody, ask Andrew Roberts, who's in charge of media relations for the SWAC, or even reach out to Dr. McClellan. You know, I'm pretty sure a word would have got to him, you know, either way or so. I mean, I know from a personal standpoint, I was trying to get to, uh, to coach Deion Sanders later in the day, but of course I had other commitments and other priorities and whatnot. And it wasn't until I was working on my show around, maybe four o'clock, five o'clock ish or whatever is when I actually even saw an article or such come up. And I was like, okay, I never saw the dude storm out or whatever. I know I'd seen him at one point, but then I just never got around really to like catching up with him and his SID at the time when I asked. I wanted to ask how often in media does this happen in regards to folks providing a framework or the lens and we'll be kind with this, the lens that they believe they saw versus what individuals that may have been in that area and what they saw and heard. I'm going to start with you, Tali. In your experience, how often does that happen? Well, Doc, I think this, this, this branches out to any area of life. Whenever you have someone um, that you know has a support system, accountability uh, for what you say, you are careful of what you say. When you have the feeling, whether it be true or not, that you can just mash on somebody and, and that your big machine will just roll over uh, any pushback that is offered on that end, then you typically will just say uh, whatever you say. We've seen that not only with uh, HBCUs, we've seen that with people like Kwame Brown, right? Right. Everybody thought right. they could just mash on Kwame Brown. <laughs> well, guess what? One day the rabbit got the gun and then it wasn't so much fun. Um, I, I will say this, I, it, it happens uh, more often than not. And, and I'm not into, you know, look, let's cancel people when, when they go astray. You know, at HBC right. game day, we've made mistakes. We've, we've said some things out in left field sometimes. And, you know, it's all fun until somebody, you know, sends you a, a nicely worded email. <laughs> and then you think twice about what you might say <laughs> the next time. So it happens across the board. I'm, I'm not trying to be self-righteous or on a soapbox. But as I, as I put in my kindly worded tweet uh, to someone who was on a national platform at ESPN on their radio network, I said, look, man, I said, I appreciate you conversing with me. I didn't like what you said. We had a little conversation. I said, but when you come for any HBCU uh, in the manner that, that you did with what you said, and you're not part of us, then you have offended all of us, no matter what school um, that you talk about. So I just think it's important, man, uh, that we speak up, you know, and, and be careful who you support. Be careful that you're not financing someone who does not have your best interest uh, at heart. You know, this media landscape has been cut up so many ways. And when it comes to HBCUs, uh, I think a lot of people uh, squeeze, they, they get their fair share of the juice uh, when they squeeze if you can follow what I'm saying there. So I just think there, there should always be a chain of accountability um, that someone just is not only benefiting uh, from the product that you are offering and sometimes giving, uh, but they are also true partners in helping you continue to grow your product. 
Well, let me put it to you like this, uh, being in the business still in there from, from that perspective. Do you feel there's a need to provide a, additional information for HBCUs or make sure your experience uh, and what you have found to be true about HBCUs, do you feel that weight uh, of being that component in the media, in the marketplace, or do you just do what you have to do to move forward? Uh, we do it for the people, man. And it's there. Uh, we do it for the people, but the information is there. And if other people need to use us as a resource, or to provide context with something they're not quite familiar with, or they're not, you know, all the way sure about, then feel free. Uh, you know, we consider ourselves an open door. Uh, we look, man, there's been plenty of times where something big has happened uh, in the HBCU landscape. And I, I've given media outlets footage, <laughs> information, <laughs> interviews, videos, pictures, because they didn't have it because it's not a, it's not a, a subject that they cover regularly. But then when something big happens, for, for instance, when Grady Brewer passed away, uh, God rest his soul, uh, earlier this summer at Morehouse. I mean, I'm giving, I gave footage to media stations in Atlanta. I've only been in Atlanta five years, man. And I, I collected more footage on, on Grady Brewer and Morehouse basketball than people who do this for a living with corporate backing. Wow. I didn't mind, and I'm not saying it now to, to try to, you know, boast or flex or anything, but it's just a matter of the fact since you asked the question, and we'll do that. Now, we're not going to just give it away to people to go, you know, make a dollar off of. You got to pay for it. But if, if we're trying to honor somebody or something needs to be done as proper justice, we've done it before. We'll do it again. No doubt about it. Mo, what are your thoughts on that? So, you know, working in the media, my whole forte, especially since like day one, is always about truth and facts. You know, also hear both sides of the story and whatnot. I mean, you're never going to see me hop on to my television shows uh, throughout the week or on the weekend and like just kind of just talk about hoopla and rah-rah. Like if I don't have the factual situations that support it, then no, I'm not, I'm not reporting it because I'm one, I'm not trying to get myself in trouble and have people not trusting me. And two, I'm not trying to get my station in trouble either. I mean, there literally is always two sides to the story. And Dr. Cavill, actually, you helped me out with one situation last summer. You know, you remember when the whole thing with Brett McMurphy came out about him tweeting saying that someone told him that the SWAC was going to cancel football or whatever. I mean, I was kind of in a pickle because I couldn't get in contact with anyone. SWAC office wasn't responsible to anything so I went through you who I knew for sure you have just about as much you know as much as the hookup as anybody else or whatever I got factual information from you that came from somebody else at the top if you know who we're talking about or whatever in swag football <laughs> land and then afterwards I responded to him I remember you responded to him and then you know here comes two days later the commissioner responds or whatever saying that no we're not canceling we're just postponing and what does that what happens with that ESPN rolls with it and it's like Let's get Dr. McClellan on one of our shows. He's talking to Heather Dinich or whatever about it. And then boom, Swag is the first one to postpone on the FCS level. And look how well that worked out in the spring. So, you know, the truth matters. Facts matter. That's why, you know, in, in retrospect, if you're going to put something out or whatever, hey, you know, make sure you get majority of the facts here, there, and everywhere. Even for 
for what I do on a social media standpoint. One thing I think uh, I think people have started to notice now is that like you just won't see me put out random tweets about this, this, and that. If I have like a tweet or a Facebook post or whatever, usually I've got an article or a video connected to it or whatever, um, primarily because, hey, you know, they can say this, this, and this. But if I got an article that, su- that supports it, then all of a sudden, you know, you can't go wrong or whatever in, in those standpoints. So that's why I've always been on the, hey, make sure it's all about the facts and it's all about the truth. My grandmother, God rest her soul, she told me a long time ago, you kill people with two things. You kill them with the truth and kill them with kindness. I figured that by doing uh, one of those two or both of those, I'm going to live a pretty good life, especially in this industry. No doubt about it. Sound like you laying them dead. So I like that. Hey Doc, uh, can I can I say something really quick here? Yeah, go ahead. Jump in. You you're you're giving Mo a lot of credit and me a lot of credit, and we both appreciate that. But Mo kind of alluded to it. You you're like that guy in the Wizard of Oz, man. You you are the man behind the curtain. So I I want to make sure people know and understand that that you're not a person whose ego wants him to be out front or have to take the credit. But if anybody with any common sense is reporting on anything in the swag and and they, they need to put two and two together. They're not quite sure how things line up. If they don't connect with you uh, or someone who is at the same uh, level of connection as you, uh, then that's really not a wise move. So I just want to let you know, man, that we appreciate uh, everything that you do and, and you're a big part of this information cycle on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, look, absolutely. I would definitely follow you up on this, uh, on that one, Tyler. I totally agree with you. And here's the best thing about it. One thing uh, with all of us kind of being a part of the media industry, we all know about the connections. And now, especially with the connections growing with inside the HBCU Sports Lab, linking up with, you know, uh, BCSN and then linking up with HBCU Game Day and, you know, other individuals or whatever and whatnot. I kind of feel like, you know, if this Carlos Brown is another one. So I feel like, you know, circle wise, if we're about 15 or 20 guys in order to kind of know whatever, I'm pretty sure we could all pass something off of one of each other to kind of just fact check it or whatever. And everything's going to be A-OK to kind of move forward to be like, OK, boom, let's, you know, let's put this out there or whatever. But yeah, absolutely. Kudos to Dr. Cavill, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many times I've texted you, you know, pretty late at night. Hey, did you hear about this? Or what do you think about this? And what? And I get a response from you. And if I don't get a response for some reason late at night, I get one early, early in the morning. And it's still good because I'm still not going to put the information until later in the evening anyway. So, yeah. People like me and Tyler, we do appreciate the work that, you know, guys like you and Lut Williams and all, all those other, well, all the OGs, as they say, we appreciate it all coming together and everything happening. Man, that, that's all right. I appreciate it. I didn't plan that. So, man, I so got to find a way to make sure that next time we are together that uh, dinner's on me. Man, that, that, that's special. With okay. that being said, um, I got to gain my composure back a little bit there. This is Dr. Ville inside the HBC Sports Lab. Uh, when you get those kind of honors and accolades, it means a significant amount to me, at least. So I just want to say thanks. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. We're going to take our first break. Uh, we'll be right back after this segment. Stick with us. This is Dr. Ville inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Coming in in the clutch for Mike Washington, Charles Bishop is none other than Mo Carter and Tyler Carr. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. 
You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Thank you guys. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to allow that. So listen to Professor Yes, sir. And pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. As long as you say it, I'll just flow off of you. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, sitting in. Well, my crew that I don't understand is another uh, Dan Mo Carter and Tyler Carr. Uh, that's uh, DZTX Sports, Mo Carter, and HBCU Game Day, Tyler Carr, bringing it hot and heavy. We're going to spin it a little bit. We're going to get back into the HBCU action. Uh, not quite on the field, but it certainly is the preseason in regards to what people think is going to happen on the field, and that is for the SIC. Uh, starting with the preseason ranking, we have the Eastern Division and Western Division. Right. Eight teams in the Eastern Division with two of them, Edward Waters and Allen, as you may or may not realize that they're not eligible, as you probably just heard a couple of weeks ago that Edward Waters University now uh, has gained uh, NCA Division II admittance in terms of going through that process, and they will be the only NCAA Division II program in the state of Florida. Think about that. Realigning with the SIC, so they're in there, as well as Allen. People may have forgot that announcement over a period of time, bringing it back to your thought process. But shouldn't be a surprise to many people out there in terms of the top three. We'll do it like that. Top three out of the Eastern Division was Fort Valley State, Albany State, and Savannah State, the three public institutions in the state of Georgia Go 3-2-1, and that is the respective order of finish. I'm going to start with you, Tali, in regards to, since those out of the Georgia area, what are your thoughts in terms of what came out from the coaches and SIDs in terms of Fort Valley State, Albany State, Savannah State, 3-2-1? Well, those coaches didn't pick Savannah State last again. (laughs) (laughs) They learned that. That, that was a mystery to me. You got a team coming out of the MIAC. We, we've seen this before. When teams come down from Division One to Division Two, you know, at least for one year, man, they got some heat with them. They, they've got some some leftover resources, man, that they're going to bring it. So uh, nobody had anything for Savannah State the last season that we played. 
Uh, they were definitely not a uh, last place team. But you, you know how those votes go, man. Co- coaches just I, – I, I think whoever votes, coaches, SIDs, SID voting for the coach, whoever, they just say, how, how did we finish last year? All right, do that. Savannah State wasn't here last year? All right, put them at the bottom. <laughs> so, That's probably what happened. I think they had a little more respect this time around. Uh, running their running back uh, preseason offensive player of the year. Uh, so that, that's going to be, I, I think, a lot of smoke with Savannah State. They were really aggressive about trying to get some games in in the spring, too. I think they played one or uh, two games this spring. Uh, so they've been trying to stay on top of it. Uh, Coach G at Albany State is uh, always going to be in the mix there. Uh, that is a tough team to deal with. Still have, haven't been able to get over the hump, though. They've been able to get to that championship you know, level, but championship win, uh, not quite yet. So you can always look for something interesting from there. And and Fort Valley State is a team that will just surprise you. Uh, when you think they're down and out, man, I, that, that season they had, it's probably been about five years ago, four or five years ago, man, they started out one and four in conference play, made a switch at quarterback and uh, went all the way to the championship game. They've had some coaching changes recently there at Fort Valley State. But again, um, a school that, that you, you even even when you count them out, they're still in there. So uh, that'll be interesting in the East. And I tell you, Mo Carter over there in the West, man, those schools out of Alabama, they are always uh, ready to play, Mo. Yeah, Tyler, I don't know. I think for almost like oh, what, the last. I want, I want Mo to comment on those Alabama schools uh, in terms of that. I must say before we leave the East, I was a little surprised <laughs> that Morehouse was picked all the way to fourth as big as low as fifth, Clark Atlanta, the team that I always said that to get you in that Atlanta market is the team that I want to consider going Division One. I see why everybody cringes when I say that because they can't really get out of their own way in terms of the Division Two level. But switching gears as we go to the West, I want to bring Mo Carter in to give us a little thought process on the West where the two Alabama schools are picked near the top. Tuskegee is number two and Miles number one as they seem to continue to get it done. Mo, as you started to jump in there, what are your thoughts in terms of these teams in Alabama and the West and the West, the rest of the Western Division? Dr. Gaville, I feel like for almost the last decade, maybe even another year or two added to it, it's either been Tuskegee or Miles coming out of, of that division. And of course, for people who really, really know uh, about these two schools, Coach Reginald Ruffin, the head coach at Miles, um, once was under Coach Willie Slater at Tuskegee. So, um, you know, there's, there's right. a little... I'm not going to say bad blood, but there's a rivalry there. There really is. One coach will tell you there is. The other coach will not. For all the ones that don't know, you just figure it out, and eventually you'll know what's up or whatever. But, um, yeah, it just seems like these two teams continue to be the top two in the West, and it's just a matter of, okay, hey, who's going to try to knock us off? I know Kentucky State was able to do it a couple of years ago, but consistently we've seen Miles and we've seen Tuskegee. What's interesting, though, too, is that both Miles and Tuskegee this year, man, they've got some – before they even really jump into – you know, the meat of their schedule, they've got some pretty tough um, games. I mean, I'm looking at Miles right now. They open their season against Alabama State. Then they go to Baton Rouge to take on Southern before they jump into SIAC play. I mean, those are going to be two very, very, very difficult games or whatever uh, for them. And then, you know, for Tuskegee as well, I mean, I know they talked off with that Red Tails Classic in Montgomery, nationally televised game for HBCU Athletic, which is going to be really, really good. And then, um, you know, throughout the course of their season, you know, they'll get into the meat of their schedule. And then the return 
of the Turkey Day Classic this year between Alabama State and Tuskegee on Thanksgiving Day. A lot of people I know down in that um, part of Alabama are very, very excited about it. Of course, they were playing on Labor Day weekend, and now they want to just go back to getting traditions and stuff rolling again. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of money that's going to be made between um, those schools who are, like, separated by, like, less than 40 miles um, along I-85. But, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that both of those schools, you know, came out as a preseason predicted one and two. But also – Kind of goes to this too, Dr. Cavill. I don't know if you got a chance to watch like Brian Fulford's um, long interviews that he did throughout the day last week in the swag whenever he was able to bring us on. One of the main things I see is that it's got to be pretty hard for the coaches in the SIDs really to make votes on these preseason things when you have not played in two calendar seasons. Like, really? You know, yeah, I mean – I know Savannah State, you know, they, they were able to play uh, West Alabama, which is a traditionally great Division II program or whatever down in Mobile. And then um, there was a really close game. They lost late in the contest, and then they beat the pants off of somebody else. Edward Waters, yeah, we saw them against Jackson State, and I'm not sure if they actually played anybody else or whatever during the spring. But, yeah, a lot of these other schools, they have not played since the fall of 2019. So it's hard to gauge who the heck is even coming back and what kind of condition you're actually are in uh, with it as well. It's literally going to be one of those things to me that it's going to come down to, uh, hey, we got to go week by week with these things and let's kind of regauge this maybe by, you know, the early part of the season. Just, you know, just give my two cents on, on those situations. No, that's a little more than two cents. That was perfect. I like the way that is. Colin, what you want to say something about the West too? Uh, well, really the conference overall fellas what we are starting to see is a little bit of an arms race in the siac when it comes to facilities take a look at at, at who's getting some new stuff since the last time we saw them play i know miles uh is getting a new scoreboard they got some new jerseys that they were showing off uh morehouse central states new stadiums turf new track around the field uh who else? Uh, you know, it will waters. It will waters got a nice brand new facility, spanking new as they say. Upgrading their facilities as well. I didn't catch all of the SIAC media day. Uh, both of my children getting ready for school. We had open house at, at the elementary. Yes, I, I have three kids under the age of ten, so you can imagine what a day like today was was like for me. Uh, but <laughs> Coach Willie Slater at SIAC media day today was talking about some of his. Um, some of his comrades who are getting new facilities. And he said, Tuskegee is falling behind. He said, it takes money to get these sorts of things. Uh, and, and a lot of that was done through the Honey Bear Project, uh, which uh, should be noted in, in the great work that they're doing. But Willie Slater does not say anything by happenstance or accident. He is one of the best at using the media to get his point across. And when he says it, he says it just as serious and in deadpan as he can be. So there, there's no wondering, was he joking? Was he trying to be funny? No, he said what he said. Uh, and he <laughs> did say Tuskegee is starting to fall behind a little bit. So, look, they got a brand-new president, the uh, second female president in school history, back-to-back. That just happened. So uh, the athletic director and the head football coach are letting it be known uh, – Got to get some some money rolling in the Tuskegee, which I think is a big part of why they kind of said, you know what, we were all about these NCAA playoffs, but let's go back to this Turkey Day Classic and make some money with Alabama State. Oh, great point that you put that spin in there in regards to the finance. You know, we talk about the business side on, on this show, so I'm glad you 
went in there. I think it's fascinating when you look at also in terms of the West that the public institutions of Kentucky State and Central State uh, can't quite get over the hump, unlike what you see in the uh, in the East Division. So it's always intriguing for me to look at the framework of those things that take place. And then AD jumped in here, and he wanted to bring out a point. You know, he's Tuskegee. Uh, Previous coach and alumni there, he said no one from Tuskegee made the first or second team, only school not represented. I think he's a little shocked by that, which is going to be fascinating. He said, recall that Fort Valley played a couple of games in the spring, unlike other teams, which is fascinating. But I wanted to really give a shout out before we move on. Um, preseason defensive player of the year is Mitchell Smiley of Miles. College in terms of linebacker, I don't know why I was going to go over there to the Red River Athletic Conference with Wiley College, have them on the mind, but you know, it should be hey, fast. Denzel there. does, Denzel drops some money down there, man. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. I saw that. Preseason offensive player of the year, D'Angelo Durbin out of Savannah State. As we said, I really look for Savannah State to find a way to get it done this year. I'll be surprised if they won't. And as you alluded to, Taking it back, you've seen that with Winston-Salem State when they had their nights move and really dominated the CIAA as they went deep into the playoffs, semifinals and final run, ultimately, uh, as they did not finish their ascension to the Division I FCS level, but returned to the Division II in, as a member of CIAA. So I really thought that that was a great framework that you brought in there when you looked at it. Any last comments that you wanted to make in terms of the SIC? I'll start with you more and then come to you, Tyler. Uh, just in general, uh, in regards to expected finish or just anything else on your mind? So overall, I mean, you know, taking a look at these preseason rankings, I mean, I think they're just, they are what they are or whatever. I mean, like Tyler said earlier, you know, Savannah State got the disrespect the last time and then they came out and they were like, hey, oh, you disrespect us? Here, you know, let's show you you know, what a team that just was a D1 program can literally do on a D2 level. So, um, you know, if they've got a strong nucleus coming back, then I can see why, you know, they were selected to still be, you know, number one, you know, number one possibly, um, and, you know, making it to it. And then, of course, in the West, as we mentioned, I think it's really going to come down to Miles and Tuskegee, you know, probably so. And it's literally going to be like, okay, can Kentucky State, Central State, or Lane catch them in any way, shape, or form? I mean, my guess probably not, but – then and all, but then at the end of the day, that's why you play the game on the football field, and we shall see, you know, overall. But um, you know, it'll be interesting very early on. Keep a lookout for that uh, opening weekend. I know that a lot of people will be locked into um, the Grambling State Tennessee State game, the Florida A and M versus Jackson State game. But hey, don't forget about this um, Tuskegee versus Fort Valley State game as well, which is on ESPNU on that Sunday evening as well. So, you know, HBCU still being put on the mark the first weekend of the college football seat. Well, the first true weekend of the college football season, week one or whatever, because we know they got week zero and all that. So, you know, I would say, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Tuskegee looks since they haven't played in basically almost two years against the Fort Valley squad. And those two teams always play very, very tough and competitive against each other. I don't ever remember it really ever being a blowout between any of those over the last couple of years. Pretty tightly contested, and whoever makes the least mistakes is probably going to snag that. So be on the lookout for that one, and we'll see how the rest of the season progresses. Red Tails Classic. Boy, that should be a good one as well. Tali, I want to stay off a little bit since you bring that and give me a chance to really talk a little bit on the business side. And I'll see if Mo wants to get in this. 
you got eight teams that they talk about in the Eastern Division and five in the Western Division. Who's going to shift over? So you get, you know, seven, six, or you think they're going to keep it at eight, five? You know, geographically, it's, it's kind of hard to say because the, the way everybody lines up in the East, um, you know, especially, you know, South Carolina and Georgia, you can't physically, you know, make that West. Uh, but, you know, some, somebody can, you know, bite the bullet and maybe some of the new kids on the block have to have to pay the price, <laughs> you know. You know, that old philosophy, uh, you know, last on, first off, or, or maybe last on, first first to be inconvenienced there. Uh, so when you look at Edward Waters and, and Allen, but, uh, you know, w- one thing that I, I will be watching, uh, you know, before we, at some point, we'll, we'll get to some balance, balance across the division. But, you know, Doc, one thing I'm thinking about is old guard and new guard, especially with the SIAC essentially having pulled the plug uh on a season and you know how sometimes you, your favorite thing around the house i don't know one of your favorite tools or your stereo or something you unplug that thing for a while man put it back in the box and then you come back later doesn't always quite work the same there's something to be said about not using something on a daily basis so you look at the the old guard and the consistency that we expect out of that the siac and you look at places like tuskegee uh, Miles, you know, Albany State, Morehouse. But then you think about there's some coaches who have been there for, you know, maybe played that one year and now they've had a season off to continue to implement their culture, their system, uh, their personnel. You've had some coaches who took a job in the SIEC and they still haven't coached a game yet. So looking at coaches who have one year or less at their current program, you look at Bobby Rome at Central State. Uh, Chinnis Berry there at uh, Benedict. Clark Atlanta still has a new system there. Savannah State is new uh, to the conference again uh, for their second time around. You look at Edward Waters. You look at, uh, you know, Allen there. And, man, could could these teams rise to the top after that break and kind of reseed and reset the things that we expect uh, business as usual in the SIAC? No doubt about it. Edward Waters and Allen, as we said, they're ineligible for the playoffs as they just joined the league. But to your point, it's going to be fascinating to see what how this thing level sets. Put it like that in, in terms of going on. But I wanted to ask Mo, do you have any thoughts? Do you shift Benedict over since they're the only one, you know, keep the Georgia and Florida uh, in one division and then you make Benedict in South Carolina shift over to the east? Or do you just keep it? Uh, 8-5 lineup. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think they keep an 8-5 lineup. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of like looking at these schools and I've got a map pulled up right now and I just don't see how that, um, you know, is going to happen, quite frankly. I'm kind of wondering, would they split one split one of the Georgia schools and move them over to the Western division? Maybe Albany goes to the West as a possibility or Fort Valley because – you know, um, just kind of just looking at because, I mean, Fort Valley and both Albany State are very, very close driving distance to schools like Tuskegee and Miles, like very, very close or whatever, you know, to the Montgomery and Birmingham metro areas where those schools are at. So if I had to say, you know, one of them gets shifted, one I think one of them possibly gets shifted over and then they kind of, you know, figure out the rest. I know Edward Waters is down there in Jacksonville and, you know, they can kind of go up the eastern seaboard if you want to keep them going. But 
it, it'll be interesting to see how they actually do it. But my guess would be they probably move one of the Georgia schools over and kind of just play it off of that. I think the good thing, though, is that you got time to figure all this out with both Edward Waters and Allen not being eligible for postseason things and conference championships and whatnot. So you have those times to figure it out, similar to like what I – you know, have been seen going on with one of the teams I cover here, uh, University of North Alabama, being in the A-Sun, but um, playing football in the Big South. Um, but, you know, they have to make the D2 to D1 transition, so they haven't been a- eligible for anything and whatnot. And now the A-Sun picking up football, so they're moving over to A-Sun football officially. This will be their last year in the Big South or whatever. So, But you, Big South said, hey, they're going to have some time to kind of figure these things out overall so I think that's what the approach the SIC is gonna do as well like hey let's get these schools fully eligible for this this and that and then we'll just have our meetings to figure out what's best and those people who make way more money than us to make these decisions will make these decisions no doubt about it great point by both of you all with that being said uh, it's a good problem to have because the SIC is in good position in terms of conference turning taking place in a positive direction for them with the expansion. We see the big news in terms of uh, SEC approving Oklahoma and Texas. So um, we see that trickling down and are even ahead of schedule. Fascinating enough. We'll take a quick break. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop holding it down for them. Thank you guys for what you do for HBC. DU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. My God. It's another sad day in America. Painful to be introduced to George Floyd during his last breath with a cop's knee on his neck. On his neck. He deserves so much more. So much more. How many black lives have to be taken before something is done? We are not a threat. I am shaking as I touch. This has got to stop. We are sick of it. I just want us all to live. The death will not stop Stop until the powers that be are finally held accountable. Don't look away from the truth until every one of us are free from white supremacy. The world stands with Criminalizing and killing of black and brown bodies is not new. It's as old as America. It's just getting filmed more. Do you know what it feels like to be hunted? To have a new hashtag for a dead black person every single day? How does one plan a life if they aren't sure they will have a life to plan? George Floyd. His name was George Floyd. Say his name. George Floyd. Say his name. Say their names. Once again and always, we fight for justice. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Rest in power, beautiful. You didn't deserve this. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help 
to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvée. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop sitting in with Mo Carter from WZBX Sports and none other than Tyler Carr from HBC Game Day holding it down for us today. Before we get into this whack television release to see if you have any thoughts in terms of some of the big matchups that people need to keep their eye on that will uh, be broadcast by the ESPN Family Networks at this point, I did want to stay with the Division II SIEC and then you get some CIAA love in there and then you stick in West Virginia State outside of the two HBC conferences, if you allow me to use that framework, is Chris Paul and the tournament that he's putting together. Let me stick with you, Tyler Carr. What are your thoughts in terms of the announcement by Chris Paul about the basketball tournament and all the things surrounding it? I, I think it's on brand for Chris Paul. He has shown that, you know, even though he went to school and, and played at Wake Forest, that he still has uh, a great amount of love for Winston-Salem State, the HBCU in the community that he grew up in. Uh, he's currently enrolled as a communications student, according to him, at Winston-Salem State University. Uh, he has been consistent in the NBA the last couple of seasons, uh, showcasing HBCU merchandise in that famous player walk-in when, when they get out of their Range Rovers and Mercedes and Ubers or, or Kawhi Leonard, a, a, a Chevy Blazer. <laughs> <laughs> and they walk into uh, the arena, man. He, he loves that merchandise from HBCUs. Uh, he even wears some of it. And if you look closely in his State Farm commercial, uh, so he, it, it's on brand for him. Uh, Connecticut is going to be in Connecticut on, on, a I think, Monday and Tuesday. So, so maybe not everybody makes it in person, but a lot of exposure there and anything with his name, man, it's going to stick. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of great opportunities ahead. Uh, for those schools to make the most of it. Well, Carl, I want to get your thoughts on this, Cross Paul. And you mentioned that this will be the second Division II tournament, if you would. Uh, Michael E. Jordan is putting a, a tournament, I believe, in Brooklyn, you were mentioning. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan's got um, – he's launching the Hoops Dreams Classic, which will basically be an inaugural basketball showcase for historically black colleges and universities. It's going to be held on December the 18th. Um, in uh, New Jersey at the Prudential Center. Uh, no teams have been selected just yet, but they did say it would be multiple gangs featuring um, HBCUs. So, no, I think overall it's, it's great to see the HBCU exposure coming not only from Chris Paul, but also from Michael B. Jordan. Um, and crossing my fingers, Doc, or whatever, that eventually something may evolve on the Celebration Bowl weekend, maybe in Atlanta, to where – you could possibly have a basketball showcase either that Friday or 
or other things, but you know, just kind of just mentioned that. But yeah, anyways, no, you, I'm just telling you be quiet because I'm gonna try to tip my toe in that water. So I don't I know why. You. you know, some of these folks that got bigger pockets than me, I gotta figure out, add up a couple of coins to make it work. So you know, don't give me that too much. I ain't signed the paper for it. I got you. Know, Go ahead and put it out there. Put it out there. It's a good idea. It's great. No, I was going to say, I, like, ever since they, they started Celebration Ball, I always thought, like, if they can, like, add more to it, it's going to be even better. And I think that, you know, that's a way to bring more HBCU fans to celebrate HBCU athletics, not just football, just overall. I mean, me and Carlos Brown have talked about this multiple times. Reggie Flood and I have talked about it multiple times. It's just a matter of just, you know, just see it come to light overall. And I think, you know, if you, especially if you get like the right two teams in or you kind of round robin it similar to the way you do me X whack challenge or something, could all work out. But, you know, everything is a process. You take it uh, one day at a time. But let's just focus on Michael B. Jordan and Chris Paul. They're doing great things and we'll see what uh, what happens from the forefront, from that moving forward. Shout out to you as you bring in Reggie Flood. Uh, I saw the announcement. Give a little plug there. We'll stick with you and then uh, bounce it back over there to Tali. I just want to shout out. What What is the name of the organization, podcast? You okay. So the company that my television station is owned by, uh, Techn Incorporated, we, um, the company purchased the Locked On Podcast Network about a year and a half, two years ago, and basically... Locked On has, you know, they're basically podcast beat writers. Very, very close to teams. They've got NFL teams. They've got college coverage. Um, I do some work with the Alabama and Auburn ones. And for a while, they do ask people in different um, different markets or whatever, hey, is there anything you know you'd be interested in? So about a year or so ago, I asked like, hey, can we get an HBCU one? Eventually, I kept asking enough, and one day they, they, they sent me an email saying, hey, we really like your idea, along with the fact that we see how much HBCU sports mean to you being a former player and, of course, your coverage of HBCU athletics. And it was like, we really think we could work on something with this. All of a sudden, last week, got another email saying, like, we got it all done. Here comes the announcement. And all, lo and behold, my um, fellow Southern University alumnus, Reggie Flood, who um, you know is currently a radio host in New Orleans right now, he has been hired for that position, and he will basically be having um, an HBCU uh, sports cat, well, podcast, or whatever, within the locked in uh, locked on network, and he'll basically be talking about every HBCU major story from here, there, and everywhere, and of course. You know the deal. It's all about connections. So I'm pretty sure all three of us will probably be on that podcast at one point in time just to talk about, you know, what's going on in the world of HBCU athletics. Hey, Tecna, call, call me Tecna. If, if we're talking, we're talking offers. <laughs> if, if you no doubt about it, because I was going to put the plug. Stick- I'm going to get a little bit of HBCU game day coins and put my basketball tournament together uh, and to call it. But yeah. The podcast wouldn't be bad either if they gonna get the plug in if they want to talk some HBC sports. But we got the plug. We got Mo Carter. We know that he's back there saying, "Hey, call these boys, call these boys." <laughs> so we appreciate that, Mo. A lot of love. Congratulations on the serious side about it. Appreciate you putting in the work. We always say it's important to have people on the inside that can turn the knob a little bit and push the angle. So that's good stuff there. I wanted to get into it. Everybody wants to get into the swag. Um, Television announcement. I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, our previous folks, we let them tease in there and put their order of finish. Since y'all covering things, I won't put you on the spot. I won't make y'all do that. But 
But if you got some teas and things that you want to say from some of the coach, or you want to fire, well, let me start with Tyler. Tyler said he wants to Tyler, fire. He wants Tyler to said he's ready. He's ready. Eastern hey. Division, Western Division. Let's start with Eastern Division. You see what the team put up. Hey, man. What's the order of finish? Look, we we got we got Mo locked in with Alabama AM. He he does not want any smoke from Coach Maynard. So look, we we understand, Mo. Hey, we hey, understand. Hey, we tell Charles Bishop, don't bless you. Don't don't stop your blessing. Uh, <laughs> Mo, you know what it is. All right. All right. Uh look, I'm 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 all in. I'm gonna put all my chips in on all corn state as they uh make their move uh to the west. So I, I got them winning the division. I think uh, I think UAPB can can still do some things, but uh, with Alcorn Big Brother moving over there, um, I don't think anybody's going to stop Felix Harper and Fred McNair in that division. So, will they make it back to the you know Celebration Bowl? I don't know because we got a lot of moving parts in the East. But you can have the field in the West and give me Alcorn East. You don't want to. You don't want to. Put a plug on the East. Is too, uh, you too, know, I, I was giving you a chance to, to see what you had to say there before I switch gears. Uh, no, I, li- I like what you said on the, on the West in terms of that. I think a lot of folks are taking stock in Alcorn. The only thing that I say about the Alcorn that really concerns me is the number of road games. They have six conference road games. Um, and I think that in this deep conference is really tough. You talked about Alcorn. Uh, you talk about Pine, Pine Bluff and the fact that they'll be in it. Guess where that game is going to be played? Uh, Auburn has to go to Arkansas for that game. So that's a tough one. On a um, Thursday night at that. The advantages for Ar- Ar- Arkansas, Pine Bluff, as you talked about, they have Grambling at home, they have Southern at home, they have FAMU at home, and they have Auburn at home. Obviously, a very tough schedule any way that you crack it. But the fact you got it at home, I think it's going to be fascinating. So for those in terms of that at pick time bluff low, I like, man, y'all might want to revisit the schedule. I know a lot of y'all fall in love with brand. I know the other side y'all like to look at in regards to Pine Bluff losing a lot of folks. But it's something to me that you need to look at a little bit about the scheduling. And I'll leave it there until you give me your thoughts on the East and then we'll turn it over to Mo since we getting into this a little bit. You talk about a Thursday night game. To me, Thursday night equals neutral field, no matter where you play. The the, the vibe is not the same on a Thursday night. That that would no, be a, not. that's a disadvantage to who that that's somebody who lost half a home game right there. Whenever you play on a Thursday night, uh, look, the East is comes down to this: Is Jackson State going to be who they say they are? Because they hear Jackson State tell it they they can compete in the SEC. That is what they say. They, they have talked the talk. Now they're going to have to walk the walk. As much as I hate cliches, I cannot predict if they are going to be who they say they're going to be based on their personnel. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say until I see otherwise – that they have an 85% turnover from what they put on the field this spring, which wasn't the greatest when you look at wins and losses. But, hey, when they run down, we got players from here. They were from there. And you hear all these, you know, big-name schools, and they're now at Jackson State. There's been a lot of talk. So that's going to be fun either way. I I will say the team uh, that I am most interested in is going to be FAMU. 
because I think FAMU is in a unique position um, that they, they are still on the rise, I think. We, they were down for a while. And then we saw that rise in the MEAC, uh, a team that was able to defeat North Carolina A&T. But, but it was almost like a boxing match, though, when it was time for the heavyweights to finally, you know, fight it out. And then FAMU wasn't eligible to go. And then A&T was leaving. Then FAMU's leaving. It's like we never really got that for all the marbles matchup that we wanted to see between those two. Now, fans were a little skeptical. We ran a, a soundbite from Willie Simmons from SWAC Media Day and asked him who the quarterback is. And he believes in his, his what was his backup to Ryan Stanley, but then he talked about four other guys on the roster. So all, 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 the, all the Monday morning quarterbacks were like, man, if you talk about all those quarterbacks, you don't have any. I, don't, I, I can't say. They, they do have a quarterback that has seen some action, that does have a win under his belt. There's a lot in a big game. There's a lot to be said about uh, getting your swack hours up. Uh, I talked to Coach Simmons about that. He quickly reminded me that he already has his swack hours. He he earned those at Prairie View. So I think he'll set the tone where there won't be a lot of uh, being in awe uh, of being in the swack now and those environments that are a lot different from the MEAC. Uh, and then there's Alabama A&M. So. I, I will say this. If, if you put it to my head and say, you got to make a pick, your life depends on it. I'm going to go with the one thing that I know for sure. And that's Alabama A&M. Akil Glass has a lot of weapons. He has about five receivers that can go get the job done. Uh, the running back, he can get it done as well. I've seen that. I know that it works. Uh, but I would not be surprised uh, Jackson State or FAMU is right there in the mix. Uh, I like Mississippi Valley State. I like Coach Dancy. Still a little ways to go there. Uh, and then Alabama State. Love their quarterback. Love some of the things they have on defense. I love Bubba. I love Ezra Gray. But Alabama State is at school. It's always like one and a half games. You're like, what happened there? <laughs> it's like the other games, you're like, I see it. And then there's one game, you're like, oh, what happened? And then there's a half, you're like, what happened? Uh, so until they can show that they, they kind of get over that hump of, of getting, getting out of their own way, um, that, that still might be a middle-of-the-pack situation for the Hornets. No doubt about it. I agree with a lot of that. A couple of things that I'll round it off before I shift to Mo and give his thoughts on it is when you talk about FAMU, anybody knows me in terms of when I had him over here at Prairie a &M, I love what I thought Will Simmons could get done. So I'm a big fan of that person. Quarterback, I think he's offensive-minded person, so I don't see that as a problem. His backup, uh, or whether he goes with the other four, he's going to find some offensive points. Again, it's going to be questioned in terms of what they do on defense, and the defense is solid. Probably one of the best players in the league, so I like that. Jackson State, a lot of talent there. Uh, just got to see it and put it into action. But the thing that I really like about Alabama A&M, and I want Mo to put his context on this, I love that schedule. I told you, you know, I'm a schedule guy. You saw what I talked about, Pineville. But I really – like about Alabama A&M, they have Jackson State. They have them at home for homecoming. They have FAMU that we talked about is going to be tough. They have them at home for, uh, at the next game. So some of their toughest games at home. And then they miss out on some of the toughest or what perceived as the toughest competition, supposedly in the Western Division. They're not playing like all corn and Southern in terms of those teams. So schedule-wise, I really like what they're getting done. Um, I really appreciate what you said in terms of quarterback. Solid. We know what he's going to get done and all that. But they really uh, made some key acquisitions on the defensive side, which they were solid enough next year. But did they getting even better on that? 
Um, man, it, it, that's what's scary when you think about that in terms of what a kill glass is going to bring on the offensive side. So I like when you talk about Alabama and Mo, what are your thoughts in terms uh, of Doc, Alabama- real, real quick before you jump to Mo, the, the team that might come up and, and shock a lot of people because we're not talking about them. And I just talked I, about the whole division and didn't talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> They might yeah, just slide in there like, oh, you forgot about us. Pow. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Anything about Bethune Cookman, you know, um, they're going to make somebody miserable. But somebody's going to take the same attitude we're talking about against Bethune Cookman, and they're a solid team. I'm not sure about them finishing at the top, but they're going to hurt somebody's feelings. With that, Mo, uh, give us some more thoughts on this Eastern Division, if nothing else. Well, of course, you know, I'm here in Huntsville, so I get a chance to chat and talk with Coach Connell Maynard and Alabama A&M Bulldogs a bunch. And, you know, even at Swag Media Day, he, you know, he, he boldly said that he is looking forward to his team being the first college football team to win a conference title in the spring and also in the fall. And they're very, very confident in doing that. And, of course, when you got a guy like Aquil Glass leading the way um, in his final season, along with all those weapons on offense, I mean, you, you – you definitely do think they can definitely, you know, shine throughout that or whatever. I mean, you talk about the weapons on offense. I mean, a dude for Ty Ibrahim, All-American wide receiver, Xavier and Moore, all-conference wide receiver, Brian Jenkins Jr., guy that is literally, you know, lightning in the bottle. So if you get a one-on-one matchup with him, you you know, nine times out of ten, he's probably going to win that matchup. And then they've got Kendrick Johnson, um, all-conference tied in. And then they added a transfer in D Anderson, a guy that's six foot six, two twenty, a wide receiver coming over from um from LSU. And I asked the Quill, I'm like, is there enough balls to go around to get to these guys? And he was like, Oh yeah, absolutely, because nobody's selfish on his offense. So that's something you know to you know to keep in mind or whatever. And of course, they added a lot of key key acquisitions defensive-wise as far as the transfer portal because, you know, defensively they have struggled the first couple of years. But I think Coach Granville Eastman, the defensive coordinator, is getting things rolling in the right direction. I mean, remember, it was a defensive interception that basically won the SWAG championship game for those guys against Arkansas Pine Bluff in the red zone. And then I think the other key uh, acquisition, too, is on the staff. I mean, Coach um, Manor adding Kindness Bowler. To his um to his staff, and that was his defensive coordinator when Winston Salem State was making those deep runs, you know, uh, under Coach Manor. So I mean, this guy definitely knows what he's doing, um, coming up for that. But as far as A and M, I feel like this. Yeah, I, of course, I'm going to say, you know, I definitely see them as being a favorite. But here's another thing too. Yeah, the schedule definitely does work in their favor. They start off with South Carolina State, then uh, they don't play a week two game. Then they're on. Then they're at Bethune on a Thursday night. ESPNU nationally televised game before taking on Tuskegee, and then they hop into Jackson. This is where I feel the East will be determined, and it's not just for Alabama A&M. And let me actually go back to, I know everybody talks about how big Florida A&M and Jackson State is for the Orange Blossom Classic. Yes, it's going to be a huge game, nationally televised game, but let's not forget, that is a division game. So whoever loses that game, you're already one game in the hole. So no matter what that scenario plays out, either if Jack State loses or Florida A&M loses, just remember this. Come October 9th, Jackson State comes to Alabama A&M. October 16th, Florida A&M comes to Alabama A&M. I mean, you know, you think about that, and then you look at the bye week A&M gets after that, and they play Alabama State. If Alabama A&M goes 3-0 during that stretch, it's almost hard for me to believe that Alabama A&M won't win the East Division. 
you know, quite frankly, in, in that in that forte. Because after that, really, they've got Mississippi Valley, Texas Southern, and then a SWAC championship game rematch against Arkansas Pine Bluff. So, yeah, the schedule is very, very favorable for Coach Connell Maynard and company. But he's also said this. He knows that they were the hunters, and now they're the ones being the hunted. And another thing I think you have to consider as well, look at the cross divisions. For Alabama A&M, um, late in the season, you know, they're playing Texas Southern, Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Look at a team like uh, Florida A&M. Their cross divisions include Grambling, Southern, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and three of the last four games. Uh, for Jackson State, their cross divisions include um, Southern and Alcorn to end the season. So we have to kind of pay attention to how not only these division things are going to play, uh, going to play out, but also how the cross divisions may cause someone to lose a spot in the championship game if the championship game um, divisions haven't been settled, you know, late October, early November as well. So honestly, like I said, I really think that three-week stretch in October is really going to determine who's going to come out in the forefront between A&M, Jackson State, and Florida A&M. Um, on, on the east in the west man I could just throw my hands up and be like you know what somebody just win it because it is a gauntlet on that side of the um on, on that side of the division primarily because I mean Alcorn's playing all these away games Southern's got a stretch where they play like Prairie View Pine Bluff Jackson State, Florida A&M, and then they got the Bayou Classic. I mean, that's no easy sledding either. The only good thing I think about for my alma mater, they're going to make a lot of money during that stretch with all those home games along with the Bayou <laughs> Classic. So, uh, but, you know, so if money if money making is a thing um, as a top goal, they'll definitely get that in uh, late October, October, early November. Then I'm going to say this. I'm not counting grambling out either. I really think that – I think that Coach Fobbs and them can right the ship I just wonder how long is it going to take for them to get their footing and then eventually, you know, get things going or whatever. We've seen them have slow starts and then they get on their roll. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, the West is going to be very, very wild. And at the end of the day, I love the fact that each and every week, nobody can take a week off. So every week you got to bring your A game or you might slip up and that could cause you a game and possibly a division championship. No doubt about it. Man, great points, great points in there, all that. I will say this. I did tease out a little bit for television. I won't get along in this, but there's three weeks that really stand out to me that I'm excited about. October 16th, week 7, November 6th, week 10, and number 13th, week 11. You have all 12 teams playing each other, so six leagues games in those weeks. I think that's going to be fascinating to see what's talking about. We'll get a chance to really go on that TV schedule, but uh, before we jumped off, I did – would be remiss if I didn't talk about the MIAC. Media day is tomorrow, so we get a chance to see what the MIAC uh, talks about. Obviously, uh, those that heard us on Tuesday, we talked about North Carolina A&T and Hampton and where they were uh, predicted order of finish in the Big South. Obviously, Tennessee State OVC over there. Uh, no expectation that they'll be picked very high, but it'll be fascinating in terms of what that looks like, seeing where they come out of the media at least from the magazines out there, not a lot of predictions in terms of people thinking highly of them. Uh, but we'll get a little bit into it. But that'll do it for us today uh, as we will come to a close. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Kabil, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. 
Hope you enjoyed our guests, our co-hosts, I should say. Not really guests. They're over here too regular to be guests. None other than Mo Carter, WZDX of Sports. Uh, any shout-outs or comments that you want to make as a close? As always, Dr. Cavill, it's always a pleasure to, you know, come on and, you know, talk HBCU athletics and aesthetics and every single thing else with the dean of SWAC athletics, which is you, sir. So I definitely do appreciate that. And, um, you know, if you're not following me on Twitter, it's at Mo Carter, M-O-C-A-R-T-E-R-W-Z-D-X. Uh, of course, you'll see a lot of Alabama A&M things, but you see a lot of SWAC things as well coming from that. But, hey, Alabama A&M pays the bills around here. You get a lot of good insight in terms of breaking down comments that you will see out there and you really want to know the honest business perspective or behind the scenes of giving you some context. Another good reason uh, to follow Mo Carter. You'll really be able to move through some of this information that's coming out there that is more challenging to follow. With that, we got Talik Parr, HBCU game day. Certainly need to make sure you follow him. I'm surprised if you're an HBCU fan and you're not following him, but we're going to do the kudos and accolades with that tally any last comments that you want to bring hey i'm like mo man i just gotta i gotta shill for the company man make sure you guys go to hbcugameday.com get all of your information there when you see hbcu news and we got it share it from us man you know sharing all that bleacher report stuff come on we got it too <laughs> and most of the time many times they're some of the first ones to get it and they give you a perspective that you're not gonna get anywhere else Exactly. So share it, share it, share it, like it, follow it, tweet it, all the good stuff in the social media world, uh, as you should know. Uh, get on it and get it done. Make the business what it needs to be because you're going to find out and get more information if you continue to do that. Again, we thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Wash and Charles Bishop. Again, with our great guests uh, coming in in terms of the co-host, Mo Carter, WZDX Sports. And Tyler Carr, HBCU Game Day. Uh, that is with myself, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday right here at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Follow me, tweet me. Do all that good stuff inside the HBCU Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. That's Facebook at Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Dream big and continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. We're going to try this, guys. I'm going to go with Tyler. Course. Lex It's like lecture. Dismiss. I got him. I got him. We got him. <laughs> I think Tyler's doing that on purpose now. You know, you know. <laughs>